Well, guys, this morning I have a special treat for you. Um, I'm not actually the one going to preach today. It'll be my first time ever not preaching but still being in the service. And it'll be the uh, only the third person that's ever preached at the well. Um, Hambone has preached and I've preached, but we've not had anybody else. And so as I was talking to the young man that's going to be coming to preach, his name is Cesar. He's a really good friend of mine, Cesar Garcia. And um, Cesar, is, uh, he's an awesome man of God. And uh, I know that he's humble and uh, he, would, uh, he, w- he would say, you know, he's coming a long way. And he is. He's learning and I'm learning and we're all learning. But I've had many deep conversations with Cesar and uh, known him now for quite a while. And as God was leading uh, me to do something uh, different, he was also leading Cesar. And uh, Cesar didn't come and ask me, but I felt God pushing me. And, and I felt God speaking. And so did the other elders and the other pastors thought that it would be a good idea. And so I went to Cesar and I said, hey, man, what would you, you feel about preaching? And he's like, man, you know, I, 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 think, I think God's calling me to do that. And so uh, we've been praying for Cesar. He's going to come and, and deliver the, the word that, that God has given him. Cesar, is, uh, he's, a, he's a missionary. And I met Cesar actually on a trip to Nicaragua. Uh, he lives in the States, of course, but we went together. And I really got to know him a little bit better in Nicaragua. And uh, he's, uh, he can speak Spanish fluently, you know. Uh, that's his uh, native tongue. And so uh, he was very helpful there as we were trying to work and do what God had called us to do. And he actually, after we left, we built some uh, bathrooms. We did some work at a school in uh, Nicaragua. If you've never been, I tell you, you will come back humbled. Uh, but he actually went back by himself and took some of the local Nicaraguans and uh, was wanting to go hiking into some deep, dark caves. And they were looking at him going, you're crazy, man. <laughs> you know. But he went on in and he was like, it was, it was crazy. You know, there was bats and they had a little flashlight and I had to beat it on my leg. And I thought I was going to die, man. And so he'll tell you, uh, I don't know what he's going to tell you. I don't know what he has in store. I know we're coming out of Matthew uh, 4.18. And so I want to give uh, full authority to him. Uh, this is not my pulpit. This is God's pulpit. Pit, and uh, I'm excited about the word that my brother Cesar's got for us. And uh, won't, won't you give him a hand? Give God a hand and pray for Cesar as he delivers the word of God. Come on out, brother. I asked Brendan about the time period, he says about 45 minutes. <laughs> so I'm not used to this. Most of my sermons are like two hours. <laughs> so don't worry, you, it will be 45 minutes. I don't think we're ready for that yet. Put my timer here. I just came this morning and uh, didn't know what was going to happen as far as worship. Um, you know, part of me wants to apologize, but Jesus says don't have to apologize for anything. And turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. 19 and 20. 
Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, 19 and 20. While walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. Follow me. I will make you fishers for men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Let us pray. Father, I pray as you have given us your word from heaven to creatures that have no hope, to creatures that are lost every day, but you have spoken through your word, Father, through the life of Jesus Christ, and you speak today through your Holy Spirit, Father. And I pray that, that we will be doers of the word, Father, not just hearers, that we will take the Bible as it speaks and apply it to our life radically, that other people will say, what is wrong with them? They're actually taking it seriously. The Father, that we will be people that as we read the words of Jesus Christ, that we will stop and follow Jesus, Father, knowing that the cost of following Jesus is great, even to the point of dying. The Father, that the fire within heaven will come down and consume us, Father, and we'll realize that our life is temporary, that we will not live forever, and that if we think we're going to live for so many years, we're only fooling ourselves because death is knocking out a door that our children will die, our parents will pass away, our loved ones will be gone. And Father, all we can do, Father, is run to you. That we will not be just hearers, Father, but that we will be doers and that we will not waste our lives, Father, that we will follow you daily, every day. Thank you. Jesus Christ, I pray. Man, I just feel so good right now. Um, you know, I cannot say that I feel really high. I know that's not really a good thing to say if you're a Christian. But you got to understand that some of you actually come from a rough background where, you know, you were high on drugs. You were actually high on something and... and and you were looking for hope that those drugs didn't really give you the hope that you wanted, so it left you dead. I want to thank Brennan for allowing me to, to be up here. I know, it, I know it's, as I stand here, I can say that it is a privilege. Um, I was eating with Brennan and Pete over the past week, and I mentioned it 
to them that I had been praying for this for three years and nobody knew about it. I just, you know, when, because when you pray, you sometimes you, you keep your prayers to yourself and, and you, you say to God, if you want me to do it, Father, you got to make it happen. You got to open the door. And so here I am three years later after I initiated that prayer and been praying ever since. I'm here preaching and I didn't see myself preaching. When I first met Brandon, uh, it was back in 2011, uh, as he mentioned it, uh, we went to Central America. Grant actually invited me to be a translator uh, for the group from Fairview Church that was going down there. And so I ended up going, I ended up having a a blast, and I ended up having uh, an amazing experience because I got to see amazing Christians just serve in a level that I, I don't, I'm not used to seeing. And so I got to see Brandon actually get his hands dirty in a country that does not belong to him with a people that are not his. He actually, we actually got to sweat it out and it was really hot. It was just so hot. I never, I, I could never imagine how, how hot it was going to be. I mean, you could just stand there and the sweat was coming down just drops of sweat, craziness. I mean, you can, you can lose 10 pounds in five days. On the way back from Atlanta, he began to ask me if we were going to meet together again. Uh, I think I mentioned it to him, you know, Brandon, I kind of forget people after a while because I'm not into this whole social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, my space, whatever you have, I'm not into that. You know, uh, I don't have, I mean, I have an email. I don't really check it. I don't have internet. I do have a cell phone. I barely answer my, my, uh, my cell phone sometimes. So I'm not really one that stay in contact with people like, you know, some of you here that, you know, you spend two hours on Facebook a day. Um, and the reason I was... I knew that I wasn't going to get to see Brandon much was because, you know, to be honest, I'll be honest with you, Brandon at that time was not part of my family. I was just part of the group that went to the mission trip to Nicaragua, and therefore, after I got back, I wasn't going to take part of any fellowship with any of those people because I'm, I have my family. I have my church because I'm a firm believer in the local church. I believe that God uses the local church, and I believe that God wants you to be part of a local church if you're a Christian. Now, if you're church hopping around and really just going from church to church, you're, you're really not benefiting, benefiting from the family atmosphere that people have. After a while, we did get to meet um, for lunch. We began to talk, and I found out that this guy was amazing, that we could communicate in a level that was really amazing, like a, almost like me and my best friend in missionary school, that we could be open with each other and slam ideas into each other and, and just wrestle with the things of God. And at the end, we would come out really encouraged. And I second meeting kind of came around, and, and he began to tell me that he had a, a passion, a vision, 
to, to be a preacher, to be a pastor of a church. And uh, I, I, I told, you know, in my heart, I was like, that's cool, Brandon. That's cool that you have passion. That's cool that you have a vision to, to go and, and reach the least reach and, and the people that are not used to going to church. It's, it's good that you have that passion because if you know something about Brandon, he's a very passionate guy about the things of God because of what his past, where he came from. He began to tell me his testimony, which I found it very, very amazing. Um, the only, the closest thing I can compare it to was to what happened in New York City when David Wilkinson came from his country church in, in the middle of the USA, decides to leave that church, decides to go to New York City to minister to the prostitutes, to the drug addicts, and to the broken. He was the founder of Teen Challenge, founder of Times Square Church. David Wilkinson passed away two years ago. There was a story about him because he was trying to reach one guy, and probably you heard his name. His name was Nicky. His name is Nicky Cruz. He's still around. He's a minister. And Nicky Cruz was just this notorious gangster, a violent man, an evil man. But God was so after this young man that David Wilkinson did not give up. And so he was continually going after him. And so therefore, when I, say, when I see Brandon, I see like, that's like, Amazing the things that God is able to do. Because if you want to look at the story of Brandon, um, I have no other explanation. You can go from the, from the um, uh, you can, I don't know, there is no other explanation but the fact that a miracle happened. Because God is into the miracle business every day. Amen. And then eventually he called me. He said, it's happening. And I'm like, what's happening? Uh, we're starting a church. We have families. We're going to gather. Uh, we're praying. We're going forward. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. You run, run, Brandon. Run with the race. You know, go with the passion. Go for your dreams. Go, Brandon. And, and then <laughs> Brandon's like, well, I'd like to have a meeting with you. Uh, he said, no, he said, we'd like to have a meeting with you. <coughs> And I'm like, wait. I was being me and him. See, I knew what Brendan was going to ask me. I'll be honest with you. I knew what Brendan was going to ask me. Um, I knew that this meeting was not like the previous meeting. But uh, my answer was going to be no. He doesn't know that. He knows now. Um, my answer was going to be no right away. But I wanted to be a respectful Christian. I wanted to be a kind Christian. I wanted to meet with him and, and, and hear what he had to say and then tell him no and then get out of there. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I was going to hammer him like hard, hard against the wall because uh, <laughs> he can take that. He can take, I mean, Brendan is a really, really smart guy. Um, has a lot of wisdom from God, and so he can take stuff like that. Um, so we got together, and I remember it was Hambone, Grant, and, and, uh, and Brandon, and we got to uh, have dinner, and they presented to me the idea or the vision of the dream they were having, and I'm like, that's awesome, man. I, I'm, I'll be praying for y'all. And at the moment, there was a, like a silence in between us, and, and I could see Brandon doing like, 
And I'm like, oh, snap, you want me to, to just stop whatever I'm doing and follow you, like follow your dream, follow your vision? And, and I'm like, oh. And I remember, I, I remember saying it to Brandon, and you know, Brandon, you know me. I don't follow man, Brandon. And Brandon was like, I know. That's why you need to pray about it. You need to pray to God that if he wants you here, he'll have you here and, and all this stuff. And, and I remember saying, well, I'm going to pray about it. I, my decision was made before the meeting. Therefore, I, I didn't really have to pray much. So the answer was no. But then something happened. Something happened. A work, a supernatural work in the heart was being done. Supernatural meaning from, from out of this world, not human. Because part of me was, I, I, I was in comfort. I was in my zone. I loved my church. I loved the, the previous church that I went to because they knew me. If I was struggling, I could come into the service and there will be people literally looking in my face and they'll be like, hey, I can see you're struggling with some things. How can I pray for you? I can see you're, you're going through some suffering because I know you. How can I pray for you? What is God doing in your life this week? And I remember being around members that disciple me encouraged me, pushed me to grow closer to God. I remember being part of a faithful church that, that literally pushed push forward into seeing God's name glorified. And I remember taking part of a church where a pastor was faithful to his members. And I and I began to wrestle with the idea that if God was calling me out, it had to be from God, not from myself. And so when, when God began to, to challenge me to step out in faith, um, I went through a really rough time. I remember Jesus saying, do you follow me or do you follow, G or do you follow the church or do you follow the pastor or the denomination. I say, Jesus, you know I follow you. I follow you anywhere you want. Well, follow me to Landrum. And I'm like, I can't do that. I can't do that because, you know, <laughs> it's a church plant. See, because in a year, this church plant is going to fall. In a year, this thing is going to go down, and Brandon's going to come up to me really discouraged, and, and I'm going to have to give him a hug and tell him, it's okay, Jesus. It's okay, Brandon. You reigned the race. You, you gave it all you got. It's not about the results, Brandon. You did it. You lived your dream. Now you can go back to your other church. <laughs> and I remember... and. <laughs> I remember telling God, it's like, I seen Brandon preach. He cannot preach at all, at all. Like, I seen him preach one time in, in, in a very traditional church. He knows about it. We talked about it. And, I'm, and I, he invited me that time, and I went dressed like this. So I was, the, I was an outcast by just dressing like this. Everybody wore suits and a tie and, and a dress and, uh, because I've always been like this. 
And I remember seeing Brandon up there with his little dress. <laughs> and literally uh, preaching the word of God. But like I could feel like that he was holding back a lot. And I didn't want to say to, to Brandon anything because, you know, I, you, wanna, you don't want to be mean, you know. <laughs> you you want to be a nice Christian, even through sometimes the things I say are kind of like don't come out the way it should. But like, um, I was like, what was that? Eventually, when God did call me into the well, I remember praying a lot. Um, oh, man, just praying a lot. Just having memories of, of the people I was going to leave. Six, six years in a church is a lot. Some of those people have been with me through my sufferings and my pain. The hardest thing was to, to say goodbye. I remember as I, I went, as I went to the church meetings, I, I was wrestling with this, and people used to come up with, to me and say, what's wrong? What are you struggling with? I said, I think my days and the church are coming to an end. And they used to encourage me to follow Jesus more than to encourage. I mean, they used to encourage me more to follow Jesus than to encourage to follow the church as far as the, their own church. They used to tell me, follow Jesus no matter, no matter where you go. I remember uh, the last meeting I had with my previous pastor, a faithful man, and I said, I said, Matt, my days of the church are coming to an end. They're so, it's so hard, but I have to follow Jesus. And I just want you to know that as you were faithful pastor, that you were, you, you disciple me, you pour a lot of time, and energy into me and it will not be forgotten that if we, if we ever see in public you know I'll run up to you and hug you and I will remember you forever See, because when you're following Jesus if he calling you to do anything and I've been part of a, a, I've been God has given me big decisions to make in my life in the previous years. And this was one of the biggest decisions I ever made. See, because when God calls you to step out in faith, when God calls you to do something, it's going to be hard. There's going to be a lot of fears. There's going to be a lot of doubts. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to give up everything. How contrary to the American culture that we live in to leave everything behind where we make our homes here in America and we live here as heaven is here. I tell you that. I tell you that if you don't leave everything, when God is calling you to step out in faith, you're going to miss out on a lot. 
they're going to miss out on, on a lot. Matthew 8, verse 18, it says, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his hand. And another of the disciples says to him, Lord, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus says to him, follow me. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. See, because when you're gonna, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to give everything. Got to, got to leave everything behind. Had a privilege of having two of my friends leave the, the United States uh, from my previous church into the mission field. One of them actually came up here. His name is Kevin. Uh, another one was uh, Candace. Both of them um, I got to know throughout the years through serving in the mission field and just spending time with them. Kevin actually went to Africa, and before he went to Africa, he was working at BMW as a temporary worker, and he was going to have the option of becoming a full-time employee of BMW, having better benefits than me and better pay than me. And because he knew he was going to go to Africa, and because the offer was coming already, he asked me, um, what, what do you think I should do? I said, Kevin, um, if you're going to Africa, why should you have anything to tie you down to America? Eventually, Kevin left last year. Uh, it was so awesome how the, the hearts of missionaries are. He gave away his car. He was praying about giving it away to the right person. Uh, he, you know, he left everything behind, and he just took his bags and left. And one time, I remember, I remember uh, Kevin came up, coming up to me. Uh, we had dinner, and he says, I'm afraid because the persecution in the country in Africa I'm going to is getting bigger, and there are Christians dying, and they're, they're killing missionaries there. And I, and I looked at Kevin and I said, Kevin, um, isn't it amazing that Americans love their comfort? Even to the point that they're willing to die for it. It's the comfort of America that's killing the church. The comfort of America that kills Christians every day. Say, like, Kevin, you Americans, you love your life, don't you? You want to enjoy it to the fullest. You don't want to give it up. Kevin looks at me and says, I guess so. Say, like, Kevin, your life is short. If you go and you die, you get to go home. 
Don't let it scare you that they're killing Christians in the country you're going. If you die, you will go home. This is not your home. I remember, I remember Candace was another per person that I've been part of mission trips, and, and her, her, Candace was an amazing girl. We, I, we used to call her Candy, and uh, her father was struggling with cancer. He had made the preparations of leaving the country, but did not, had not, uh, she did not go because of her father at that time, and, uh, and she was going through a tough time. Eventually, her father did not win a battle, but he won the war. Therefore, he went to heaven. And Candy did apply for the Southern Baptist Mission Board, and she got in and her first time. Her first time she did get in, went to a Muslim country. Uh, you know, those countries where you're not supposed to say the name. And we were gathering together as Christians and praying. And I remember one, one, you know, one guy says, how does an American leave to go to another country? And the other guy beside him says, I reckon he just grabs his bags and goes. And that's what she did. She just grabbed her bags and she left. You know, she's not here no more. But examples like that that encourage me to, to let go of everything. Because if I, if I would have stayed in my previous church, I would have missed out on a lot of benefits that I'm enjoying right now. I am, an enjoy, I am enjoying this journey that God's calling me to. I have never been part of a church plant like this. Most of, most of you have not. We are baptizing people by the dozens. That's craziness. People are coming to the feet of Jesus for healing. People are being healed, not only of their physical troubles, but most important of their physical hearts. I mean, their spiritual hearts. Because what is greater to be healed then in your heart. See, you can be healed physically, but if your heart is not healed by the power of Jesus Christ, your body means nothing. I'd rather have cancer and die of cancer knowing that I will go to heaven. Because cancer is cancer, y'all. I mean, your suffering is so temperate. You're going to suffer. I know you're going to suffer. One of the benefits is, uh, of me coming here is that um, I talked to, to Brandon about it. Um, I didn't realize that I, I had a gift. And before some of you run with this and, 
and, and, you know, and make a big deal out of this. Please don't. I don't think it's me. I think it's God. But God does give, give gifts to the saints to serve the other saints around them, serve the church. Brendan says, I have the gift of prophecy. I don't know what to call it. I've never experienced it before. Um, I know I'm going to get together with a Christian in Raleigh in two weeks. And he, he knows more about this than I do. But before you come to the altar, I know you're going to come to the altar. How is that even possible that before you come to the altar, I know God is calling you? can see that God is calling you and he loves you and you're running to his feet like you never have in your life. I give you an example a couple months ago I came here and I don't think the gentleman is here today. Uh, me and Brendan have talked about this and um, he is. Uh, I just don't think I don't think you're here. But I remember a month or a couple of months ago, uh, I came to church and I was in the back. I'm all, I always sit in the back. I just, that's where I like to sit. Uh, and I remember being in, in worship in the morning and I just not feeling God. You know, I'm not the one that lifts my hands and, and, and claps and, and, and shouts. If the leader up here is telling me to do that, I'm not going to fake it. Nothing against the worship leader. If he gets offended by that, then let it be. But, but I remember I was like, I wasn't feeling the sermon either. Brendan was just talking. He was getting louder, and I wasn't really following it. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. I should be able to pay attention. And uh, there was a gentleman behind me, and I remember... Uh, He, he was sitting beside a girl. I don't know if he came with a girl or, or they, I don't know. Uh, you know, because there's so many reasons you come to the well. And, none of, and some of them are not good reasons, too. Maybe you're here because you want to sit beside your girlfriend. Maybe you just want to, you know, Twitter and throughout the whole service. Maybe you're here because you just want to hang out with your friends. Or maybe you think this is a social club. Or maybe... I don't there's so many reasons people come to church. Please don't come. Just I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not, I'm not gonna say anything. There's a lot of there's a lot of things you could be doing on Sunday besides church. Let's put it that way. And so this gentleman might have come for the wrong reasons, but you know what? No matter what, God uses that. God uses that. And so I remember during the end of the worship, um, I remember just being broken before God, and I remember just literally just saying, God, glorify yourself, glorify yourself, give praise to your name, lift your name up high among us. And I could see that the gentleman behind me, his heart was breaking. 
His heart was really breaking, and I could feel it. I never felt that before. His heart literally break piece by piece by the, with the, by the love of God. It's amazing. And I remember God speaking to me and said, I'm going to glorify myself. I'm going to glorify, glorify myself. And I said, yes, God, glorify yourself. And I remember him saying, look at the gentleman behind you. And I looked behind me. You know, I didn't want to be like, you know, all the way. So I looked behind me a little bit, and I saw the guy, and I could see his heart breaking. And God was like, I'm after him. I'm about to devour his heart with love. I'm about to devour his heart with my presence. I'm after him. Jesus died for him. And I'm like, yes, God. Yes, you did. You died for him. And, I, and the next thing that he said, <laughs> I, I just... I was like, I can't do this. I've never done this before. God was like, you need to go tell the gentleman behind you, that guy, that I love him, that I'm after him. And I turn around, and I'm like, I can't do that. I've never done this before. I've never actually gone to a person and, 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 and just, I don't know the guy. And I remember facing a dilemma where if I don't follow God faithfully, if I don't if I don't do what he's calling me to, I'm going to go sleep at night, and I'm not going to go sleep well. I'm going to walk out of the church, and I said, I did not follow Jesus because I have more fear of man, of this young man, than anything else. So I remember just grabbing on the hand of the guy, and I said, hey, I don't know you. I, don't, I never met you, but I just want you to know that Jesus loves you, and he's after you. And I remember the guy just really just reaching over his seat and, and hugging me. Literally like, like a teddy hug me. And like I'm like, let go of me, man. I don't know you like that. And I'm like, <coughs> I can remember just seeing his, his face break before the Lord. I remember walking out of the church. And really, when, because when you're faithful to God, you go into the spiritual high. Well, you're like, I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus faithfully. The following week came. And um, the following week came, and I remember, I'll be honest, I got here late because I was washing my clothes over there, and I came here, I, 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 went to I came to church, I got here late, so I sat in the back, there were chairs there, they were, they were in the back, there were chairs, and I remember um, I was so focused on the football game, the Carolina versus the San Francisco in the playoffs. I was like, yes, Carolina might go all the way. And I'm like, I'm so focused on the game that I'm not even focusing on what Brandon is saying. I'm not focusing on worship, and I can't believe that this pagan game is taking over me more than God. It's crazy. Well, it's not a pagan game. It's just how I view it. But toward the end of the worship, I remember seeing the guy again, and he, there was something in his heart that was troubling him. And I began to pray again because God's presence began to overtake me. And I, and I began to pray that God would call him to the altar that he would call this young man to the altar. And so when Brendan got up here and 
like he always does at the end. He, he said, you know, if anybody wants to use the altar, let him come. The young man just rose up from his seat and literally ran toward the front, pushing everybody away. At that time, you know, you could, could you imagine the worship of just seeing God's name being glorified? <clears throat> At that time, I, I, as I was praying, um, God told me to come up here in the front and lay my hands on the man. I told God, I don't do that. I, I'm not the one that goes to the altar and lays hand, lay hands on people. I don't do that. Some of you do that. I'm okay with that, whatever. But I'm not one of them. And so I remember going to the front and literally trying to find a young man. And the young man was already being covered by other believers as they were praying for him. I did get to pray over the young man. I don't know. He was definitely making business. He was doing business between him and God. And that same Sunday was a baptism Sunday. He wasn't ready for it, but he got baptized that same Sunday. Amazing, amazing what, the, what God is capable of doing. See, because that young man might have come for the wrong reasons, like some of you come. And that, that young man might have come for some, I don't know. But when God showed up, he began to stab his heart, and his heart began to bleed. And, and he began to bleed hard, and there was nobody around him that could heal him. There is nobody around anywhere that could heal him. And all he could do was run to Jesus and give it all and say, Jesus, heal my heart, for I have sinned against your throne. God, give everything to you. That young man might not be here. Um, from what I heard, he, he lives a really rough lifestyle. I know some of you come from a really rough lifestyle. We don't forget that. We, we have people here that have been demon-possessed. We have people here that have been possessed by just at, drug addicts for years, and God has healed them. We cannot give up on people because Jesus doesn't give up on people. We need to pray. It's a lot of work, y'all. It's a lot of work. But I know as Paul writes in Philippians 1, verse 6, as he writes, he says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. See, because at the end of the day, it's not my work. It's not the work of Brendan. It's not the work of the well. It's the work of Jesus Christ. Can't forget that. I have never experienced this before. I've seen many, many miracles happen in the well, and, and you have too, and... Uh, and this is only our first year. Can you imagine five years from now or even 10 years from now? Uh, it's just mind-boggling. But one thing that God does remind me is that, that if you're faithful to God, there is going to be a great reward more than you ever think of. 
and, and the things that we will be able to see are greater than what our eyes have ever seen. And I forget that God's making it happen. See, I knew God was calling me to preach. I didn't want to push the door open myself. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go around to a church and say, hey, let me go preach. I remember just praying about it continuously for years. But even when Brendan called me and asked me to preach multiple times, I told him no. I was afraid. Because I'm afraid to, to step out in faith too, just like you. Like that song, The Oceans, where you have the ocean in front of you and God's calling you to walk over the water. That's not... That's not logical there. But if you don't step out, you're going to miss out on a lot. Because I know that some of you here are Christians for many years and have been running away from your calling. You who are fathers are not fulfilling the calling of you being a father to your children your families. You have learned to love the world, what people think of you, more than what God is calling you to do. And your families are hurting. They're saying, Daddy, stand up for me. Wouldn't you stand up for me, Daddy? Your wives are telling you, stand up for me, sweetie. Do what's called... Do your calling. Because if you're not doing your calling, the people around you, they're hurting. They really are hurting. Because your calling might not be to be up here and preach the Word of God. But I tell you what, if you're a father, man, that's a calling, y'all. That is a calling. Because you don't want to die when you're 70 years old and your children are coming to you and say, how can you were not faithful to God? How can you then follow your calling then? I wish you would have followed your calling then. Because at the end of the day, the calling is hard. It's hard. And you can't do it on your own power. You have to have God. You know, before the, the preaching, um, <laughs> uh, let me explain to you what happened here. Um, I remember being paralyzed. And I, I remember that I'm supposed to be preaching here, but I'm paralyzed. I've been, it's not the only time I've been paralyzed by the presence of God. Um, it happened before, but it doesn't happen all the time. Don't worry. You don't have to pick me off the ground every week. But I remember falling in my knees, and I couldn't get up, 
And I said, I need Brendan to come in and pray over me. I need Brendan to come over and pray over me. But I couldn't say anything. I couldn't lift my hands. And then it, Brendan comes over there and prays over me. And finally I can get up. Because God was, was overpowering me because it was, it is scary standing up here. But it's not scary when you have God beside you. That's the only way you can do it. <laughs> so if this, yeah, um, where's, where's Brendan? Brendan, thank you for, for allowing me to, to do this, Brendan. Obviously, you, you heard um, God used you to answer my prayer. Um, you, you know, you're, you're one of the people I look up to. Your, your testimony speaks many people who are in bondage to drugs. Um, I also know that Satan has you in his wall, meaning he, he has you as, he, as a most wanted person because what you're doing is you're pushing away darkness by the power of Jesus Christ and Satan doesn't want that. He, wanna keep, he wants to keep people in bondage so you need to run your race, fulfill your calling, we need to pray for Brandon, pray for his, for his family, because what he's doing in the well is an amazing, it's an amazing job. Um, and so, yeah, um, thank you, Brandon, for allowing me to do this. Um, if you want to come up here and pray, and we'll close this thing out. I appreciate that. I appreciate Cesar's courage uh, to get up here. Uh, give him one more hand. Give God a hand. It's, re it's really not easy to do what God has called you to do. It's not, you know. I don't think any of us have ever pretended it is. It's not, you know, it's not easy to get up here. Um, I thought Cesar did a great job. Follow Christ. Jesus did a good job through him. Um, and like you said, your calling may not be here, but wherever you're called to, it's going to be scary. It's going to be scary. When Jesus Christ uh, called these guys to leave their, their careers, he said, come with me, I'll make you fishers of men. He asked them to leave everything. And um, I'm not going to add anything to it. They did a great job. Holy Spirit's leading. Um, Wesley's going to uh, lead us in an invitation. And what I would ask for you to do is be obedient. What is God calling you to do? And will you follow or will you not?